Happy New Year, everyone. This is your host, Brandi Williamson. I'm a believer, mother, and birth and postpartum performance coach. This podcast is all about equipping mothers with actionable techniques and inspirational advice with faith-based perspective to perform better as a mother for yourself and your family. Welcome back to Mom Material. According to Cambridge Dictionary, wisdom is defined as the ability to make good judgments based on what you have learned from your experiences or the knowledge and understanding that gives you this ability. The wisest man in the ancient world, King Solomon, wrote Proverbs, a book in the Old Testament that helps readers find wisdom in their own life. The Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. It denotes not only what to do, but taking action or applying knowledge. Two themes pop up in biblical wisdom literature. The first can be found in Proverbs 9.10, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now let's look at a couple verses from Proverbs 3.21-26, which says, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. A reverence and respect for God will lead to wisdom and is a worthy lifelong pursuit. In Proverbs 3, we see a father talking to a son by passing down wisdom to him from his own life that would instruct, guide, and enhance the well-being of his son's future. We see in Proverbs 31 with a mother talking to her son about how to act as a king and what he should be looking for in a wife. So much of our history, culture, society, information, and wisdom has been passed down through oral tradition within the family unit, from parent to child. Nowadays, we don't live in the intergenerational villages. We have so much access to information. It's easy to accumulate knowledge in silos, but never gain wisdom from family or community elders. Now that you are grandmother, I thought it'd be awesome to reflect through the years on what you've learned through each season of motherhood and how God has impacted your life. So mom, thank you for being on the podcast. But thank you for doing this with me. Well, Brandy, it was exciting to know that you wanted to get my opinion on what it was like to be a grandmother. So. <laughs> I'll try not to cry. I think you're going to cry. So, Mom, when uh, Justin and I, oh, my gosh, we visited Justin's family in California. And for some reason, I thought it was going to be a good idea to stuff Isaac with oatmeal for the first time ever, um, which I don't recommend doing this for moms, just, you know, introducing food to their babies. 
And I was like, man, Isaac is gobbling this stuff down. He loves it. This is awesome. We've got like the fortification with iron. This is easy. This is great. So what ended up happening was he got super constipated. And during the night, <laughs> Justin and I kept on having to get up with him. And he was inconsolable. He did not want to go to bed once he was up, which never happens. And I simultaneously got the flu or COVID. So I'm trying to get better with an upset baby that would not sleep at night. And so this gave me like a, just a small snippet of what it was like for you and dad when I was a colicky baby. So I'm very impressed with y'all and with you because you did uh, you were full-time mom and a full, and you worked full-time. So I don't know how you did all that. It was difficult. It's, it's not an easy, um, thing to deal with when your baby's crying and upset and you really can't just fix it because you want to fix it as a mother. But you know, as a mother, you will persevere and you will get through the night. You might be tired the next day, but you will work it out. Yeah, I I mean, you kind of don't have another option. No, you really don't. But I'm just very impressed that y'all did it and you're together because a lot of <laughs> it is hard to have a baby and to not sleep and to have your baby be colicky so you get um, like frustrated more easily because mm -hmm. you're just sleep deprived and then you have to go to work the next day. Yeah. It's easier to take your stress frustration out on your spouse mm -hmm. and we know it's not right to do it but we still do it so yeah first word of wisdom <laughs> try not to do that <laughs> and i think that trying to not do that yes. is something that i want to help other people do because i'm learning that in my own life of how important it is to have connection a solid connection communication with your spouse because that's going to affect the well-being of your family and mm -hmm. your baby it sets a whole tone yeah your home yeah definitely so i was thinking about for our conversation just chunking the stages of my childhood development as baby to toddler being zero to four years childhood looking like five to eleven years teen from 12 to 17 and adulthood which be like 18 plus so that can be like our point of reference um for us and for everyone listening so did you always want to become a mother you know ultimately yes i did want to be a mom i wasn't the type of woman that was like "Ooh, i can't wait for the baby can't wait for the baby i was fine we were newly married. We were living our lives as newly married people, mm -hmm. going with the flow. Uh, maybe three years later, God said, guess what? It's time. You felt that? Mm -hmm. I felt that. Like you felt like you wanted to have a baby or you felt like this urge? No, I felt like ultimately we're going to have a child. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in a rush to have a child, mm -hmm. but once... God gave us you because mm -hmm. I feel God gives a baby specifically yeah to blessings to totally the, to the mom I say mom but I mean the yeah. parents yeah um so then it was like okay game on let's go We're yeah ready. you know and it's funny because your dad was more calm about it than me because I was like <laughs> while you were pregnant more so at the very beginning 
you know, the very, okay, can we're going to do this, right? You yeah. Know? And he was all laid back. Yeah. Yeah, probably because he helps. didn't have everything going on in his body. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're like throwing up and nauseous and stuff. He's like, yeah, this is great. It's going to be so much yeah. fun. I, I totally understand that too because when Justin and I got married, I I knew I always wanted to have a family like in the future, but I was never someone that was like pining to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't like my childhood dream. Um, but like once we got married, I did feel like God – impress it on me that it's not really about like my own conveniences maybe mm-hmm. in how like the world tells you that children are a, bur- a burden and I mean they, they can burden you and they do change your life but they are a blessing and you don't your life doesn't end when you get married and your life doesn't end when you have kids I feel like my life has only deepened when I got married and it's opened up my eyes and it's made me, it's refined me as a person to have Isaac. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely felt like God, I was reading about it because we weren't trying or anything. And then I was like, man, I really feel like God wants this. And we don't, our life doesn't necessarily have to change that much. We'll just bring Isaac with us wherever we go. And it has changed more than what I thought it would, but it has definitely been awesome and amazing. And I, I don't regret it getting married quickly and then having a baby quickly. So when you found out you were having a child, what was something that was important for you then that you wanted to pass down to me? Um, It's actually more of a personality trait in a way than just like a skill. I was always shy as a child, introverted, what they call nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) But lingo. Yeah. But being shy, you are uncomfortable in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you do try to express yourself, well, maybe I don't say it as well as some people. So then you get self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was important for me to put you in places at least that would cause you to have self-confidence. I wanted you to be well-read. I wanted you to be able to hold your own. I want you to be yeah. able to walk in a room and maybe not know everything, but be able to mention something about it. Join yeah. the crowd. Because sometimes I felt like I would hold back Mm -hmm. because I was worried about saying something wrong. Mm -hmm. So self-confidence was something I wanted from you. And I feel like when you grew up being an army brat, a military brat, that's Mm -hmm. hard to stand on that confidence when you're constantly moving Mm -hmm. around and being put in new environments as well. Especially being shy. You know, there are different personalities of children. Some are just... more easily adapted or adaptable to their situations. Others, it's very difficult. So being an army brat, it was hard for me, you know, changing schools over so many years, Mm -hmm. having to make more friends, you know, now you're in a new classroom and you're like, what am I going to say? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And so what types of like activities or environments do you think helped transfer that confidence or maybe give me the opportunity for you, um, we tried to place you in what we thought were the best schools, you know, private schools, uh, low teacher to child ratio, hoping that you would get more one-on-one, I don't know, yeah. teaching exposure. That's probably not the right word to put it. Um, that's what we wanted. Um, we also wanted you to be active. 
Um, so, you know, soccer was an interest that you um, kind of lean towards. But the good aspect of soccer, um, it put you in a group setting with a lot of girls, you know, at the time, because you started young mm -hmm. girls, which I think it even helped you more to earn and learn your self-worth. Because mm -hmm. I think that's one thing women struggle with a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't. I mean, I guess I cared about what other people thought of me, definitely. But I was less consumed with, I don't know, like beauty mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, I, I, I really wanted to be found like beautiful. But I think because I prioritized soccer so much, mm -hmm. I was more of like a tomboy. And mm -hmm. so I was okay to not have like the nicest clothes because I just wanted to be comfortable and just run around and play instead of make it all about <clears throat> appearances. And sometimes that's something that is passed along from mother to daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm more laid back. I don't necessarily dress up and have all the fancy stuff every time I leave the home. Mm -hmm. It's just not me. Yeah. Um, but there are mothers that are that way. And I think they not emulate, but I, I think yeah. their daughters do look up to that and kind of see that as it's like expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally see that like with Justin's mom as well, Molly, like she is very, she's, she's been intentional about being naturally beautiful mm -hmm. and you know, she can, she can do things, but she's decided, no, I don't want to dye my hair, you know, no, like yeah. this is how I look and I'm going to embrace that. And it shines through her personality, um, through the way that she looks. And I think that that has also, um, impacted Justin with how he views beauty in sure. women. Um, because he really hates the, um, the plastic surgery look mm -hmm. and the, the fakeness overdone, overdone. Um, so I, I definitely attribute that to Molly and, um, it's actually really important what we as moms do, how we dress, because we are forming those expectations with our daughters and also our sons, sons as yeah. well of what, what is modesty? You know, if you see your mom dressing like a hoochie mama, <laughs> then you're going to think that that's normal. And you're like, yeah. it's not, yeah, it, it is normal for you based off what your mom does. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're an only child. Of course, I only have the perspective of girls. Mm -hmm. So if I leave out boys, that's the reason. Yeah. Can you talk about your relationship with how you viewed your body um, and how that changed after childbirth? Because I know a lot of women, including myself, have struggled with body image issues. And I think that this is really encouraging just how you talk about that transformation for your own life. As every other woman on the planet, we all look at ourselves in the mirror and we're all like oh man this is too big this is too soft this is not big enough and we judge ourselves. for me i judged myself off of like magazines mm -hmm. um tv stars you know even though in my mind i knew that some of that was fake was bought it wasn't natural it still was like the standard that i thought i was supposed to achieve so you know Weight Watchers, aerobics, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't active, but I still was just not happy with myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had you. Um, and after that, it was, and it's probably God's working, honestly, mm -hmm. but it, after you were born, no, my body wasn't absolutely perfect. 
you know, my hips, not, they were never big, but yet, yeah. you know, they just weren't exactly the same. I came to the realization I am perfect just the way I am. Yeah. I have a scar. If mm-hmm. I look in the mirror, I have a scar. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of that scar. Yeah. I wouldn't have had you if I didn't have that scar. Yeah. So I, I just wish that women, young girls out there would realize being a image isn't what makes you. I want you to be healthy. You know, we're not yeah. talking about health. We're talking about, I want you to eat right. I want you to exercise, stay active. But when we beat up ourselves because we think we need to look a certain way or we look around and we're like, oh, look at her. She's so cute and mm-hmm. small. No, we we have to embrace ourselves. And I actually wish that women would do a better job of supporting other women. Do you feel like we don't support no, each I other? Don't. No, I don't. I think we can be very catty, um, judgmental, you know, <laughs> look at her, but I look really good. Mm-hmm. Instead of to like if you go to the gym and you see someone that happens to be a little bigger than you, um, not all women, because I don't feel that I did it, but I wish that more women would be like, hey, good job. Give a high five and just walk on. Mm -hmm. That means a role to a person. Yeah. You know, Um, but it took childbirth for me to accept and feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I felt comfortable. After that, I was like, you dang right. (laughs) You're right. That's not as flat. Yeah. But I, I feel like God made us that way. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that beat ourselves up over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the conversation around bodies and beauties, I think is like a very fascinating one. Because when I was talking to Barb, I was I was mentioning like some of the struggles of like, man, am I ever going to get my body mm-hmm. back? You know, am I going to be able to do and perform the way that I used to? And is Justin going to look at me like the exactly. same, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff. And she was like, I think that that is something that God has given women. Um, One of the reasons is we face vanity, I think a lot more than men. Um, Maybe it's just more natural for us to slip into Mm -hmm. based off our self-consciousness or just what the world says. But she was like, you know, we have the opportunity to fight that. And the earlier you fight that, Mm -hmm. um, the better it is for you. And childbirth just makes that more evident it like makes it more upfront, just like death, like the, the imminence of dying makes you evaluate your life. Um, the same way with childbirth makes you evaluate like your standard of beauty. I think it also with childbirth, um, because you're trying to take care of this child, you know, Mm -hmm. you're all your energy is into this. You realize the fancy hair and the Mm -hmm. little bitty waist isn't all that. Yeah. What really is important, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And like your life, your body is sustaining life. Um, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I, I had that realization because we were playing pickleball and it's been like seven months after Isaac was born. And it was almost like one of those things you kind of like have a bird's eye view of your life and you're just like walking and having this like really existential thoughts or whatever. But I was like, man, I have done so much in the past seven months, my body has gone through so much change and I'm able to go play pickleball, you know, like just go and do this stuff and feed my baby and connect with our family in California. And I was, I think all of that, the realization of that made me proud and not like a prideful way, but just like that assurance Mm -hmm. and like contentment of like, I'm, 
I'm good. You know, I, I'm really good because you see all these like these women who have a ton of money um, and it shows like they have the fake boobs and they have the, the, the lips and the eyelashes and whatever. And I'm like, I just, I'm good. I'm, I'm good without that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just my personality to shine through my love of God and just to like be that, um, care more about how I show up for my family Makes than sense. how I show up to other people and appearances and stuff. So in the baby to toddler stage, what was something you were overly focused on that now you realize actually wasn't that big of a deal? Oh, there's multiple. The one I kind of came up with, I was so worried over making sure you've got a bath and we put you in the little PJs and you were nice and clean before you laid down. And of course, by the time we got you in the bed it wasn't 15 minutes later you're awake crying and i was like why am i spending so much energy doing this Mm -hmm. why am i just not holding you for maybe five extra minutes Mm -hmm. and then just laying you down yeah and being done instead of i really thought being a good mom was i've Mm -hmm. I've got to take him out of the day clothes and put him in the night clothes and oh look how cute you are um Mm -hmm. so that's something um i wouldn't necessarily spend so much energy on I also wouldn't worry over, you know, like when you eat, I would be worried over you making a little mess, crying over the mess. Yeah. You can, you can clean it later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes with like um, running a household too. Mm-hmm. It's not about perfection. Mm-hmm. It's more about like presence. And yes. sometimes your house is a little messy. Yeah. But that's okay. You could still mm-hmm. have people over. Yeah. Yeah. But that was that was something that that was very hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would spend extra time mm-hmm. to take care of stuff that I kind of wish I would not yeah. have worried over. Yeah, it made it like it takes a, a little age for for me to have gotten <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, I mean, time is like the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it helps you. I think you can get better with time or get worse. Yeah, because I feel like staying the same is getting worse. True. And so if we're not developing and we're not learning and applying what we know yeah. um, with wisdom, then, yeah, I, I don't think that we're like growing and getting better. So childhood is like a massive range. So we defined it as like five to mm-hmm. 11 years old. What do you think was your favorite part about this stage? Of the five to 11? Yeah. Oh, I- in a way, I kind of think this is the most fun. Um, children, when they're like 5 to 11, they start becoming more independent. You know, you can go in your room, change clothes, mm-hmm. and then you come out and it you you can have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, what would you like to do today? Mm-hmm. And then they have this whole plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to go down to the creek and I want to walk the creek bed or uh-huh. you know, whatever. Pick, pick any activity. Um, but to be able to start those conversations I think that's the age group that it starts. You really see their imagination. And their personality. And their personality comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do like those um, those times. Oh. It's just the talking. Just the constant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I like that. And there's like <clears throat> no um, consciousness or conscientiousness. I don't know which one is the word. But like they don't. When you're five, you don't care about what you you look like. Nope. You don't care about what you sound like. You just talk about the birds and the trees and you dance around and yeah. you're... There's an innocence. Yes. I mean, there's an innocence to 
pretty much all these age yeah. groups, but this in particular, yeah, they're, they're excited to see a butterfly and then turn around and see a frog and put it on their golden retriever <laughs> dog's head. You're speaking from experience. <laughs> I'll post them later. In roller skates and a helmet. Roller skates <laughs> and a helmet. Yes. But that that's what I'm talking about. That personality you see blooming and your excitement. Mm -hmm. That's an innocent it's, you were innocent and just having fun. Yeah. And you're really just trying to flame the imagination. Mm -hmm. um, if it's like, you know, a, a healthy yeah. and safe one, but yeah, like not quenching your child's imagination, mm -hmm. um, preserving innocence and just letting them have fun yep. and explore. That's, exactly. that's something that I, mm -hmm. I see from moms that I've, I've uh, come in contact with and I don't obviously have a five-year-old, but I, th I think that that would be a, a fun age as well. Yeah. I like it. And I'm excited for Isaac to be five, but I also don't want him to grow up. So it's kind of a weird thing. Um, so <clears throat> let's talk about technology because it was a lot different when I was a child than what moms are facing now with the five to 11 year olds. So if you had technology the way we do now, how do you think you would use it or would you use it during this five to 11 year old childhood stage? Yes, um, totally would I use it. You know, there's so much good information out now that's at our fingertips, literally. When I had you, that wasn't the case. You know, um, some of what you learned or heard was through other mothers, you know, your mom, um, even your, you know, your grandparents. Um, but if you really wanted to like study something about child rearing, you had to go to the bookstore mm -hmm. for one last time and it's costly. And then you didn't even know what you got. Mm -hmm. Now you carried this $20 book home Yeah, who had time to read it. Yeah. Um, so yes, I definitely think there's, that is the good part about the internet, um, that we live in to be able to say my baby has a cold mm. and, a, and a fever how much tylenol do i give them mm -hmm. oh let me google and find out yeah whereas before you'd be like winging a prayer yeah okay. or just like the wisdom that you get from your mom exactly or people around yes. you yeah hey mom this is what she's doing yeah do you think it's okay to give her this you know yeah and then that's when granny would say, no, you put Vicks rub on their chest. I still do that. I still do that. Uh, um, what do you think about introducing technology into the child's life? So like obviously technology is a wealth of information for moms now. And now it's more of like what to pay attention to. But what do you think about introducing technology to the actual child? I believe it needs to be very structured it definitely needs to i do not think a child needs a cell phone i don't um i, I mean, know you were you were just great without one sure your childhood <laughs> i didn't have one when you were born that's crazy yeah um i don't think you got one until you were middle school give or take yeah got a razor flip phone that's exactly right and that's where i was going <clears throat> kids do not need a smartphone because so many parents use the, and I say excuse, as my child needs a smartphone because I need to get a hold to them. No, they don't. They, they need that flip phone. Get a jitterbug. Get a jitterbug. Because <laughs> <laughs> guess what? I can dial that and you can dial it back. But, but I don't think um, parents realize 
the skills that children have that they don't have, you're thinking little Susie's not going to get on the smartphone and look at stuff you don't want yeah. her to look at. Yeah. Um, worse than that, I would not give kids to uh, technology because of who they now come in contact oh, with and they yeah. don't even realize who they're dealing with. Oh my gosh. That's so scary. Yes. Those but, Dateline shows. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah it, my gosh tarnishes you for life yes yeah so no uh, i do think you can use a laptop computer educationally but it's at the kitchen table with you sitting right next to mm -hmm. um okay let's look up the lifespan of a butterfly mm -hmm. yeah i don't think a child should take this computer in the bedroom close the door and just willy-nilly do what definitely they want to yeah. And I think that was probably a harder learning curve for y'all mm -hmm. not growing up with phones than maybe for us, because I've heard that like the millennial generation actually doesn't want is more in line with like taking away technology because we understand like the ramifications yep. of having it. Mm -hmm. But I also think that we can operate it. I don't know. I don't know if efficiently, more efficiently is the the right vibe that I'm going for, but like y'all were almost like naive to it. Whereas like we know yes. all the nooks and crannies That's that you it. could get into. That's cause it. we did it. But here's the thing. I can only see like the surfaces. Yeah. Kids today know the back door. Yes. I don't know the back door of certain things. And you wouldn't even think to that there would be one. I remember sitting in church and they had this woman come on and she was talking about technology and really how you have to shelter your kids from it and be present with them because she was saying her kid, like five-year-old was playing this little bunny app and on the app, mm -hmm. on the little game, on the phone or the tablet, you know, that was just out in the kitchen with everyone. Um, he would feed his bunny and the, and he could put like military outfits on the bunny or firefighter outfits on the bunny and collect things and make the bunny do stuff. But there were ads on the app or the game that isn't regulated. And so there would be adult ads and you can, you know, obviously click on them and he clicked on one and it was pornographic. And, um, it was like two gay men, like naked with a woman or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he's like, ah, what is this? And, you know, she comes and she's like, oh my God. And, and that started the realization that like, it's almost like nowhere is safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and how parents, we, we do have to, yeah, be right there. And sometimes even if you are right there, you don't realize that in a child game that there's going to be ads that are because yeah, you don't think that. Yeah. You yeah. don't think that. Yeah. Why would you put that in there? Mm -hmm. So I'm almost like, shoot, let's just go go back old school oh the yeah. encyclopedia yeah let's just bring out the encyclopedia yeah. you have fun with those twigs and <laughs> you know have fun yeah. outside when i was five to 11 years old mm -hmm. that's a big transformative time in my life mm -hmm. and in your life there's so much that happened so i was wondering how do you think that that um how you grew during that season you know there were different i guess there's different degrees of growing you know um i had also went back to school yeah when you were about well probably a little bit earlier than that but you know somewhere within those age groups um which actually helps me 
educational wise with you, there were things I didn't know when I graduated high school uh, academically. So going back to school did help me when you came home with homework, I was able to go, oh yeah, I know what that, I know what you're talking about here. Becoming a mom and as, as your children grow, you do adapt to them. You know, they, you learn what they like, what they don't like. Um, like with you, you were very active. You always wanted, you were never wanted to just sit in a room by yourself. Mm -hmm. That wasn't you. You always wanted to be around people. You always wanted to interact, play a game, run outside. Um, so I had to adapt of, okay, we're going to start what we're doing. We're going to run outside. We're going to play chalk, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And just the responsibility that increases as your child becomes more aware mm -hmm. of the world um, and you starting to realize like what you want, uh, the example that you want to create for mm -hmm. me, like going back to school, you, yeah. you showed me through that, that like really anything is possible. There is no time limit on um, doing things or becoming something mm -hmm. um, because you just, you're like, all right, like I want to become a nurse because this is a very stable yeah. job. It's, it's something that is pretty helpful, you know, just to have in your regular life and for other people around you. And so you went after that because you wanted to create a better life for me, more opportunities mm -hmm. through what, um, you know, the salary that you made and also just learning and growing in your own life. And I think that that's really, really cool because you're never too old. You're never, there's no season of your life that is just, you're done. True. You know? Yeah. Like just because you didn't go to college when you were whatever, 18, yeah. doesn't mean that I almost feel like you have more of um, motivation when you have kids to do the things that you feel like you need to do. Do you want to put yourself financially out there? When yeah. You're doing it for your family. Yeah. So you do have the, you know, the stress of it, but you also have, I want this for my family. Yeah. So yeah, you would get up at three o'clock in the morning yeah. and do your homework. Yes. Because you wanted to eat breakfast when yeah. you got up. So, yeah. You know, I had to transition, you know, some of my normal day uh, to make it happen. Yeah. But once again, as mothers, I think um, that's something that if, if we feel this is the best for our family, then it's worth the effort. And sacrifice. And sacrifice. If this show is adding value to your life, just consider following Mom Materials so other people can find us easier. I guess that's the way the algorithm works. It looks at the shows that are being followed and listened to by people, and then that boosts our transparency on iTunes and Spotify. So if you're getting value, just go ahead and follow so other people might have the opportunity to find us as well. And then if you are interested or know anyone who is interested in childbirth education and creating high-performing families once the baby is home, consider joining the masterclass this January. You can go to matrescentbirth.com to sign up. So it, it seems like Isaac is never going to grow up. He's always just going to be a little sweet baby. But I know at some point he's going to be a teenager and that really freaks me out. Um, but it also excites me because I hope that this will be one of the most fun times that mm -hmm. I get to have with him because like what you were saying in the childhood piece of your kid is getting um, 
more expressive with their personality and, you know, exploratory and stuff. And so that only enhances when they're a teenager and they have more responsibility mm -hmm. and also more freedom. So what is something that you loved about this stage and what is something that you hated? Um, so the teenage years are bittersweet. Uh, the sweetness, uh, because your child does become more independent. So you see that growth. Um, but you also realize as they grow and we want them to leave the house, but it's still sad to think about them leaving the house. Um, I loved watching you grow into that young woman, mm -hmm. you know, your thought process, um, how, uh, intentional you became uh, relationships meant something to you you took time to speak with people it wasn't just a drive-by oh hey thank you whatever um so that was always exciting uh for you know for me to see with you now one thing and it's fun for the teenager to get their driver's license this is kind of the the sad part as moms you don't realize you miss out on conversations, mm. those drives, yeah. you hear yeah. everything that happened in their day. Yeah. And then when they start driving themselves, mm -hmm. you miss that time. Yeah. So, so that's probably the, the part that I didn't like, mm -hmm. you know, um, you were excited to drive, but at the same time, you know, I was no longer having those long time drives to pick you up to school or, you know, to go to call, uh, go to soccer. Um, to hear about your day, to hear maybe you were frustrated about something, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a teacher made you mad, you know, you were able to express it. And then I was able to, imp you know, import, well, Brandy, why do you think that happened? Or, yeah. you know, pick a situation. Mm -hmm. uh, but those, those conversations in the car are sweet. Yeah. And I've heard that those are your sacred spaces mm -hmm. in your life or in your home, um, your environment. And I've heard that I've read about that with the car. The yep. car is one of those things because you can have those conversations without it being weird. You don't have to like sit at a table mm -hmm. at the dining room, ta the dining room table. And you know, everyone tell me about your day right now. And everyone goes around yep. and like says it and it's kind of awkward. And you're like looking at each other and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. but like in the car, you can look out the window. You can just like talk without the pressure. Yep. And it's kind of, sometimes it's a start stop conversation, mm -hmm. you know, cause you know, you're driving or the parents driving, you know, so there's times that it's like, stop the conversation. And I think that gives a child time to take a breath, mm -hmm. you know, and then kind of regroup and, or keep talking, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And something that I try to do is not have the music on when I'm yep. in the car. Sometimes I just like jamming out, but like other times I just like to sit and think, even if it's mm -hmm. just me in a car. And I've noticed that like, I now have the habit of not having music on mm -hmm. in the car. And so when Justin gets in the car, then we just talk. Yep. We don't listen I to agree. music. I do. I do agree with that. Um, you know, now, you, you know, you've been gone for a few years. When I leave work, if it's been one of those kind of days at work, I don't want the yes. radio playing. I yeah. want quiet. Yeah. I want my little brain to just kind of chill. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally understand yeah. not having the music on. Yeah. You know, especially with Isaac, mm -hmm. don't play the music. Mm -hmm. Listen to him. Yeah. He'll have a whole conversation oh, with yeah. you. That is true. Even right now. He just goes blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just starts talking. Uh, um, so what advice would you give someone who is about to go into that teenage, 
year um, or teenage uh, season? Um, yeah. My first thought was, don't buy them a new car. <laughs> Give them a hand-me-down. Uh-huh. Um, I think that teaches, um, it teaches you just don't always get the one thing you want instantly. Um, no. Did Brandy want to drive the brow-looking Camry to school? No. But it also was a vehicle that was provided to you, mm-hmm. um, got you from A to B. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think as our kids transition into being a teenager, they become adult-like, and it's easy to get in the relationship, if you will, of, oh, yeah, she's an adult. They're not adults. Yeah. Teenagers are teenagers. Their thought process is not um, fully made. Um, of course, everybody has different levels of maturity. Um, so definitely continue to engage daily with your teens. Um, do not treat them like they're adults <laughs> at all. And listen to their opinion. Yeah. You know, um, I think listening to a child's opinion of whatever subject is one of probably the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. But it gives you an opportunity because usually people will pause and that gives you the opportunity to kind of import something mm-hmm. that that maybe they hadn't thought about. Yeah. Presented in a different frame of mind. Yeah. And leave them with that. And they have the autonomy to choose. Yes. Leave it, leave it with them. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times children will walk away from the table and think, hmm, didn't really necessarily like what she said. But <laughs> now that I think about it, I understand, Thinking, yeah. you know, maybe that friend at school didn't mean to hurt your feelings. So now that I am an adult out of the house, I'm not a teenager anymore. How do you think that has affected your parenting? I'm able to take more of a friendship role with you than necessarily parenting. Um, I'm allowed to listen to how your life is going. Maybe you have, I don't know, the washing machine's not working. You know, you, you just have something that you're concerned about, you're able to discuss it with me. And I don't have the responsibility of necessarily fixing it. I can just give my opinion. Yeah. You know, if you have a question about Isaac, I'm able to say, well, you know, what I remember or, you know, I believe you should do is, you know, what pick, pick something. Yeah. Um, that, that gives you freedom and it, um, it makes it sweet. It makes yeah. it sweet when your child calls. Hey mom, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Haven't heard from you in a couple of days. Yeah. It's le- it's yeah, it is more of like an even ground mm-hmm. and it's not like I'm necessarily wanting anything mm-hmm. from you. It's more of just that conversation. Uh, okay. What is something you learned from your mom or grandmother that you want to emulate in your own life now or with your grandkids? So I had great memories of spending summers at my granny's house. Um, There was just such freedom of playing outside. You know, they grew watermelons. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would be able to just sit outside and eat a watermelon Mm -hmm. under this huge tree. In Texas. In Texas. That's where you want to eat a watermelon. Uh, Of course. Those are the best. (laughs) Um, She always had the best homemade biscuits with this honey. Um, I want that. I want that for my current kids. I want them to be able to come here mm-hmm. and go, I want to go to Grammys. Yeah. We have so much fun, you know? Um, and I think that's the transition of being a parent to a, a grandparent. 
is that fun time. Mm-hmm. I don't have the responsibility of raising them financially, um, anything like that, just to be able to have fun and listen to them. Yeah. It's a freedom that it's just a difference from when your children are young because you're trying to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. As a grandparent, all I have to do is when they come in the door, hey, Isaac, what you want to do now? Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. And like foster that carefree mm-hmm. environment that your granny fostered for you. Yeah. Yeah. No worries, no cares, just biscuits and watermelon. That's it. <laughs> what more could a girl want? Yeah. So um, something that people might not know, um, and may, or maybe I've mentioned it in some of the episodes, but I became a Christian later in life, probably what was 2018. So maybe like five or six years ago. I think that's when five years. <laughs> like trying to do math in my head. But um, you and I actually have a similar timeline in that. And we've mentioned God in some of these stages now looking back, but during those stages, you didn't have a relationship with God. Um, And we actually became Christians and got baptized on the same day. Mm -hmm. And it has been amazing and it's changed our lives tremendously. So now like looking back on those experiences, how do you think that God was working in your life? Oh, well, you know, you mentioned, um, I wasn't raised in the church, mm-hmm. uh, which caused me to not raise you in the church. Um, but I've always believed in God. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel prior to being baptized, um, God was leading me to him. Yeah. But I wouldn't stop and listen. Yeah. I, you know, I had to take that step. He wanted to hear from me. But he mm-hmm. left the door open. Um, now that I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Let's go. Let's come go, on, Mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, I, I feel a sense of peace. Um, I feel like I hope that I can present and talk to people that might have been in the situation or stage um, that I was prior to 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that aspect, it has changed my life. Um, it has also made me realize the importance of raising your children mm-hmm. to know God. Um, um, and I also hope I'm able to extend that, you know, extend what you're doing with Isaac, my role as a grandparent role, mm-hmm. you know, to incorporate, um, Jesus and that lifestyle um, to my grandchildren. Because you can say things in a way that I can't. Exactly. And you have a different role in Isaac's life and the rest of our our kids' life that I don't have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, like, you don't want to listen to your parents, but you have that relationship built with your granny or your Grammy, because you're Grammy, um, that you just go over to Grammy's house just to hang out and eat biscuits and suck on watermelon and, and, you know, play in the creek and and do that stuff. So maybe they are more apt to listening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, And it could even be be, um, where you've called me to say, you know, we had to sit Isaac down because, I don't know, he broke something. Yeah. You know, and then he gets over here. And he happens to mention it. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity for me, you know, to 
not have a big discussion, just a very slight discussion Mm -hmm. of, well, how do you think that made your mom feel that you broke something that she asked you to leave alone that was important to her Mm -hmm. and leave it at that, you know? So you can kind of extend that um, learning role. Yeah. And like we do, we started off the podcast by talking about wisdom and knowledge and understanding and how in the Bible, we see so many verses of parents to child passing that along um, with discipline, but also just with, with wisdom and how to walk and act and, and live your life and how your own life and your own faith in God um, basically paints that for other people Mm -hmm. and the responsibility that we have as parents to pass that on and whether our kids accept that or not is their choice, Mm -hmm. which is what I liked about us or me becoming a Christian later in life is it's so real to me. It's not your faith. True. Um, It's it's my own. Yeah. Yeah, And you chose it Mm -hmm. for yourself. Exactly. And the Lord was, um, good to us mm-hmm. in making the those timelines overlap, which was super awesome. But I think that it really does like the fit your faith impacts more than just you, um, the way that you live, mm-hmm. but from generations to come, which is really powerful and oh, kind of exactly. a scary thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my God. Because <laughs> you're gonna get this right. <laughs> so as we wrap up, what is something or one thing you want to leave us with to encourage new moms? Uh, first of all, you got this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would cur- encourage every new mom to remember God gave you this baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll guide you in taking care of them. Um, are you crying, mom? I don't even remember what else I was saying. <laughs> anyway, um, just remember you have this. Yeah. Um, sometimes it does get difficult. Sometimes <clears throat> it seems overwhelming. Just take a deep breath. Yeah. And, you know, when they're like little, it's okay to just walk out of the room, get your bearings, and come back in. We are human. But we're mothers. Yeah. We'll make it work. That's great. That like the, the make it work thing. We'll just we'll just end on that. Exactly. Well, thanks, mom, for being on the podcast. Well, Brandy, I really am thankful that you wanted me to be here. I know this is something important to you. Um, and for you to want my advice, my input was very special. Well, you have been a great role model for me. And you have impacted my life. So I know that you're going to impact the listeners as well. Thank you. I love you, Brandy. I love you too. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate the show and write a review to let me know what topics you're most interested in. Also, remember to save your spot for my upcoming childbirth, postpartum, and high-performing families masterclass launch this January. You can reserve your spot by going to the book online section of my website, matrescencebirth.com. Thanks for listening.